Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Let's go ahead and get into the word of the Lord today. We're in a series called No One Gets Out Alive. And last week, just real quick, we talked about what happens immediately after, you know, after, after you die. And um, the first thing that happens, how many of you know that your, that your body dies? Sorry, I, I had a little mishap up here. I'm shut down. So... When you pass away, the truth is, is you continue to live. Turn to your neighbor and say, you continue to live. And so, so while your shell goes into the ground, come on, your mind, your will, and your emotions, really who you are, your soul, it continues to live. And, um, and we also talked about last week that there's a separation that happens with the with the, with the body and with the soul. I had somebody ask me just this last week. Um, I was really close to the family and, and, um, and, and, and really close to them whenever she lost her, her husband. But she said, Pastor Travis, I got a question for you. You know, what do you think about, what do you think about cremation? And I said, I'm just going to give you my honest opinion. I don't think it really matters what you do with that body because uh, your husband is no longer... In that body, the Bible says that we come from dust and dust we're going to return. And, and uh, I just don't get hung up on that. Now, if you do, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying, listen, that body is discarded. It goes right back into the, right back into the, into the earth where it came from. And, and, um, and, and, but the soul, come on, your mind, your will, and emotions, it, it, it continues to you know, it continues to live on. So there's the separation. And then we also talked about last week, like we're all going to face a judgment. We talked about the great white. I remember when I was a kid, I was so scared of the great white throne judgment. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and I'm going to have to give I'm going to have to give an account for every sin that I have that I have committed. I don't want to do that. And then somebody told me once, Travis, you know that the Bible says that when God forgives your sins, they're thrown as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up against you again. I'm like, this is good news. This is good. This is great news. Never to be brought up against me again. And so while there's a great white throne judgment, most most people, most of your scholars believe that that is not for the person that is a Christ follower that bears the name of Jesus Christ that has repented of their sins and they're, and they're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. But everybody will face a judgment. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ and how this is the Bama seat, which is an Olympic kind of a, a theme. When athletes would finish their race, the judge would stand on the Bama seat and give the rewards to those Come on, that finish the course, amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, finish the race. And finish strong, right? And so there's going to be a judgment, I believe, for Christians, but it's going to really be more like a reward ceremony. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't share any of this. This is kind of coming to me now, but we would have field days. 
Anybody remember field days? Like, I don't even think they have field days anymore, but they would set up these obstacle courses. And I just never knew what it was like to get a red or a white ribbon because I was always just collecting the blue ones. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give me some blue ribbons in heaven. Right? You never saw the blue ribbons? Dang it. Oh, you never saw a ribbon. Okay. <laughs> Lord, humble us right now. <clears throat> so today we're going to be talking about hell. It's an important topic. The title of my message is simply The Reality of Hell. How many of you know that we need to have a picture of what hell is like from a biblical perspective? Like, I really grew up in a church that honestly, by default, every week I was in hell or going to hell. But the idea is how do I change things? How do I think properly so that I can make it into heaven? And almost by default every week, like I was going to, you know, one of the worst places that you could be when Jesus returns is in a movie theater. That's the way that I was raised. Like there was something about the, the, the roof of a theater that like if you were raising, you would just get stuck up there and you wouldn't, you know, you would not. Right, Rick? Right. The movie theater. And so you're I remember because they would scare you. So it was a fear driven message. I would remember as a kid praying, God, I don't know how, but please do not send me to hell. And I was genuinely prayerfully going before the Lord because I didn't want to I didn't want to go there. And so and so I think that it was very much a fear driven uh, a fear-driven message. And I honestly think that there's something wrong with that. But also, like today, nobody talks about hell. And every single funeral, that this is where this whole, this whole series really came about, is, is that I've done a lot of funerals over the past several years. And, and while the funeral is for the living, it's really not for the, those that have passed on. Every single funeral that I've done, the person that's passed is in a better place and they're not in any more pain and they're with the Lord and they're with and they're with. Now, this is our approach. But the truth is, is not every single person. In fact, I've had people ask me, well, is my sister or my brother or my husband or my dad or my, you know, are they in heaven or did they did they or are they in hell? And I'm like, man, I, I, I can't put people in heaven and I can't put people in hell, but this is the deal. For, the, for the, the large group of people that don't even believe that there is a hell, you need to know there is. But you also need to know that God has done everything and will continue to reach and to love and to serve and to present Himself in a way that nobody, His desire is, is that nobody goes there. But guess what? Even in the midst of all of that love and all of that reach and all of that service and all of those those divine appointments where where, you, you know, where people just continue to deny, even in the midst of all of that, there are going to be people that go there. Right. And that's a very sad thing to me. So what you believe about eternity is important because it's really going to drive how you live your life today. I think I shared a little bit of this last week that 
that if I was the devil, like if I was the devil, one of the first things that I would do is I would convince people that there is no hell. And then in the event that they were just stubborn and they were like, I know there's a hell, you're just lying to me. I would convince them, yeah, okay, there is a hell, but only a few people go there. Like only like the really, really bad people. I heard a quote this last week, and the quote was this. It's something I've just kind of been pondering just a little bit. I've been, I've been thinking about just a little bit. And that is this, that if your theology and your biography don't align, then your theology is worthless. I was like, Who, tell me that again. I had to rewind the podcast that I was listening to. If your theology and your biology, bi- bi- not biology, your biography doesn't align, then your theology is worthless. And really what they were saying is, is that if your belief system in God doesn't change the way that you live your life, then your belief system in God is worthless. And I'm just saying this, that, that if we had a bunch of people, even in the church, that didn't believe that there was a hell or didn't even believe that, you know, so much about eternity or, or heaven, then it's going to affect the way that they live their life. Come on, they might not... There, there might not be an urgency to share with people in their own family the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There might not be an urgency, come on, to go out of your way and to find yourself in an uncomfortable place having a conversation that you know might harm the relationship. Come on, there, There might not even be an urgency if we don't really know what we think about heaven or hell. You know what I mean? To come out from that place, that stronghold of sin that you're dealing with. You're just thinking, wow, you know, God's you you understand what I'm saying. And I'm just saying this, that it's good for us to have a clear picture about eternity. It's interesting. Seventy four percent of Americans believe in heaven. This is a recent Um, A a recent study that's been done, 74%. Now, see if you can pick up on on the broken areas here. 74% of Americans believe that there's a a heaven. 40% of those people believe that those who reject Jesus Christ are going to go to hell. So you got 75% of people believe in a heaven. Only 40% of those people believe that by rejecting Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. And one half of 1% believe that they personally are going to go to hell. And so people's viewpoint on hell, if they believe in hell even being real, is that it's only for the really, 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 really bad people. Like the murderers and the rapists and those kinds of, you know, those people. Not people like, like good, you know, ordinary people. But it's only for the extreme. And Jesus has a different view of this. And so once again, I don't need to exhort a lot. Let's listen to what the Word of God says. Do you believe that the Word of God is true? Amen. So this is what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. It said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small, somebody say small. 
is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only few find it. You see, what this shows us, if anything, is that so many people are just on the wrong path. And not only does God himself want you to be on the right path, but God wants to use your life, come on, to help other people that are on the wrong path find the right path. Well, why does he make it so difficult? He doesn't. He makes it so easy. But what this is showing us, that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot give enough money. You can't be good enough. You can't serve enough. You know, you can't say please and thank you enough. You can't have the right manners. You know, you can't do, at the end of the day, more good than you did bad. You know, there's not a tally mark being, you know, with your name beside it, being marked up in heaven. The only way that you get to heaven is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and having a relationship with Him. I honestly believe this. Like, I honestly believe, and it might not be in these words, but I believe that when we're standing before God, He's going to say, what did you do with Jesus? And we're going, to have to, we're going to have to give an account for what we did. Come on, when He has given everything. He was, the, he was the only begotten of the Father. He lived a sinless, a perfect life. Didn't even sin once. Laid down His life. No man took it. Laid it down. So that anybody that would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord would be saved. But it's not only just believing because the, even the demons believe and they tremble and they shudder. So this belief system, by looking at the full gospel, it means that your belief is going to change, come on, how you live. Right? I want you to know this, that those that are in Christ Jesus, your life is not your own. It belongs to him. There's everybody loves that scripture. No greater love is there than this, than one man lay down his life for another and say, ah, praise the Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for laying down your life that I can live. But he calls us to do the very same. God, I've come to you. Now my life is not my own, but you are not only my savior, but now you're my Lord. And God, use me wherever you say, go, I'm going to go. Whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do. Amen? Amen. Your life is not your own. Oh, there's one of our own, Pavo. One of our own. Yes. Welcome, our own. Yeah. (laughs) You'll have to watch the... All right. Have you ever heard people say the statement, Man, if God is so loving, then why does hell even exist? I want you to know this, that hell exists so that God can properly deal with the devil. And 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 we get these. I remember from cartoons, you know, the devil is like a little redheaded guy that's angry all the time and whispering in your ear and he's got a pitchfork. And but I want you to know that the devil is behind every single thing that is evil. He's behind every single addiction. So if you've ever dealt with addiction, you need to know who's behind that. He's behind every fear, every abuse, every pain. Come on, every amount of torment, all shame. The devil is behind all shame. 
The devil is, he has got many names. He's the destroyer. He's the deceiver. He's the dragon. The devil is the dark angel. He's the serpent adversary. He's the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one. He's the thief. He's the father of lies. He's the prince of darkness. He's the angel of the abyss. Uh, the abyss. The abyss. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your joy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to, he wants to kill your body. He wants to rob every good thing that God has said for you. He wants, to, he wants to take from you. The devil is behind the porn industry. He's behind poverty. And he's behind sex trafficking. He's behind every single thing that could be considered evil. Come on, this is... This, the, who's behind that is the devil. And so hell is created for him and his demons. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. This is the, uh, John the Revelator on the island of Patmos. He is, he's got a vision. He's looking out into the future. And this is what he writes. He says, and the devil who deceived them. Who's them? Many. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where, there, where the beasts and the false prophets have been thrown. They will be tormented. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so, number one, God has created hell to deal with the devil and his demons. But also, hell exists for God to deal righteously with unbelievers. And some person might say, well, that's just not fair. It's not fair that good people go to hell. You know, you might have a neighbor that, that like, you know, th that one lady is like, she's like the best neighborhood watch. She's got her eye on everybody's business. And she saw some funky things happening and she called you and she was like, listen, I care about you and 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 you might you, you you might just be, you know, keep an eye out. There's been some suspicious activity and you're like, I know she doesn't even go to church and she's not a religious person at all. How can a good God send a woman like that? And she brings me cookies about twice a year. She's got to go to heaven, right? And so so we get caught up and we judge people, you know, by how they act and what they say and how they conduct themselves. I mean, I've heard this multiple times, not from anybody in here, but but from 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 unbelievers, people that think religion is just for a bunch of weak people. You know what? I live my life. This is what they say. You know what? I live my life more Christian than Christians live their lives. I'm always willing to help my neighbor and to and to and to lend a hand and and you know what I mean? I feel like I am my brother's keeper. You know what I mean? I care about community and I'm involved in society and I try to I try to make a difference and and I volunteer. I go down and I feed the homeless and I and I do all of these good things. I I don't see the church filled with a bunch of those people. I'm more Christian than Christians and I'm just saying this. That at your very best, it's not enough. Come on, at our, at our very best, our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy, it's like filthy rags. I think it's interesting that the same people that, that, that say that, you know, God can't send these good people to, to hell are the same people that if there's an injustice that's done, 
They want justice. You know, what about the, 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 the grandfather that his grandson has been stolen or, or his granddaughter has been abducted? And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? They find the person that, that had taken the child and thank God nothing was, the child was not harmed. You know, physically harmed. But yet still that grandfather is like, man, this guy needs to pay. He needs to pay the ultimate penalty for putting my family through. We need to get him. He needs to be at the least. He needs to be in prison. Come on, for the rest of his life. He is, it's not healthy and it's not good for him to be, come on, in society. He's just going to do it again. And so the same people that say, how can this loving God deal with in, you know what I mean? How can he punish and throw good people, you know what I mean, into, into hell are the same people that want justice when, when, when people do things that they ought not to do. The problem is, is that many today create God in their own image. And oftentimes the reason why they create God in their own image is to ju uh, justify their own lifestyle, right? And I'm telling you this, and, and guys, listen, this is not the fun message that, I, this is not a fun message for me to give to you. I mean, I really know this, that it's possible. Now listen, I love people, and I want to serve as many people in this church as possible, but I also know going into a message like this that you may never come back, because why? This is uncomfortable, well, guess what? It's just as uncomfortable for me as it is for you. But I'm telling you, this is the hard part. Our churches are filled with people that have created God to be something that he's not. Instead of looking at who God is and understanding that he is holy and yes, he's loving. The same God that says, for I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Like you got this on your refrigerator, right? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future, right? Come on, you will seek me when you find me with all your heart. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, come on, all these wonderful things are going to be added unto you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? Praise God. Amen. All of the beautiful scriptures and the promises and the love of God being from everlasting to everlasting, and His mercies being new every single day. There is a side to Him that for, for whatever reason, we just don't talk about it anymore. He is a just God, and He is a God that will stand in a place of judgment because you cannot have a holy God if He's not just. In fact, if your belief system is such that you... Don't think that there is a hell or, or how could a good God even, even send anybody to hell? Then it makes heaven not that beautiful. I don't know what it was like for you when God called you out of that dark place, that sinful place, that lonely place. You were doing everything to do, everything you could do to satisfy your flesh and it wasn't enough. And then the Lord showed up and he pulled you out of that place. Remember the beautiful moment that, wow, this is what everybody's been talking about. Wow, the Lord's love just lavished upon me. He is treating me better than I deserve, right? It's beautiful when he takes us out 
from that place. Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eight says he will punish talking about God. He will punish those that who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Like the last part of that is the one that really I think is going to be the worst part. Shut out from the presence of the Lord. In our pre-service meeting today, I just kind of asked people what they thought, you know, about hell and, 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 and you know, just kind of give us some, you know, give us some, get our minds going and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and I just think that the, the, one of the hardest things is going to be knowing that you denied the Lord as many, whoever's in that place, they denied, they denied, that's for weak people. I'm going to serve the God, which is me, of my life. You know, a lot of selfishness, prideful people are the God of their, their life. They don't need anything else. They're independent, right? And at that moment, I believe that they're going to realize, come on, every single time, every moment that they rejected the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is going to be lifted from that place. Because even if you're an unbeliever right now, you are blessed because God's, God's close. His proximity is close, right? He is, His Holy Spirit is here. His ministry has taken place. Where two or more are gathered, He is there. And so, so they're, they're benefiting from the presence of God, not even believing in God. But there's going to be a time where that is removed and that time and place is going to be in hell. And so here's a glimpse of hell. Man, I feel like I'm saying hell an awful lot. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not sharing this to dance on your emotions one bit. All I'm asking you to do is just please consider what the Bible says about this horrific place of torment. Okay? Consider it. All right. Luke 16 and verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. One thing about purple is you need to know that it was only for the wealthy. It caused a lot of money to infuse that color into fabric, and it also represented royalty. Verse 20, at this rich man's gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores who desired to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Now, one of the commentaries that I was listening to and kind of watching, looking at this, one guy, and this is the first time that I had ever heard this, but one of the customs, if you were wealthy, one way that you would wash your hands would be you would do so with bread. Kind of makes sense to me. And so without discarding this, this incredible bread, they would throw it out to the dogs. So you've washed your hands, you've cleaned all the dirt off your hands with bread, and then you would throw it out to the dogs not to, you know, not to be wasteful. I guess that was like a, a way of generosity. And now you've got Lazarus outside of this rich man's home, and he is so hungry and so in so much in need that all he desires is, please, I'll eat the bread that you use, you know, to wash your hands. That's the that's the picture here. And so the Bible says that the time came when the beggar died, Lazarus, he died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades 
where he was in torment. Now, Hades is a Greek word in the New Testament that is the same word in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, Sheol. So those two words are the, are the same. They're the same meaning, but both of those words are not hell. See, the Bible says later on that Hades will actually be thrown into hell. And so Sheol and Hades are actually waiting places until the judgment that was created for people that were not in Christ, were not in, in the Lord. And so it's a temporary place before the judgment. So the Bible says from there, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called, the rich man called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Last week I talked about how Christians the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? Well, for the unbeliever, for the person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and, and he's waiting for you to enter into that relationship, come on, for that person to be absent from the body is the beginning of terrible suffering. It's the beginning, and it only gets worse. So for the Christian... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For the person that denies Christ, to be absent from the body is the beginning of suffering. I've met so many people in hell, and especially whenever I was, I was, I was just living a life that had you know, no relationship. I mean, you would hear about hell all the time. Well, I'll see you in hell. It's going to be a great party there. In fact, the other day I saw a shirt that said this. If we're all going to hell in a handbasket, let's make it a great party on the way. And so people have this idea that, listen, all my friends and all my family are going to be in hell and it's going to be this great party. But I'm telling you what, you might be surrounded by people but feel the most isolated that you've ever felt. It's going to be, it's going to be so far from from a party, come on, this is not a place that you even want to joke about going because all of your friends and relatives are going to be there. We also kind of look at heaven as being a boring place, and I just don't think that we can fathom with our, with our, our, our ability, our, with our thoughts, to just even come close to realizing how incredible heaven is and what it's really going to be like to be in the fullness of the presence of God. Like right now, if you got a glimpse of, 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 of his fullness, just a moment, you would just keel over and die because, because you couldn't handle it, right? The Greek word translated for hell is the word Gehenna. Gehenna comes from the Valley of Hinnom, which is a real place. It's actually south of Jerusalem, but Gehenna is a place where where they actually burnt some terrible things. They burnt human waste. Gehenna was was a place where where they would burn uh, carcasses of, of dead animals, and Gehenna was a place where they actually burnt the bodies of criminals. And so this word Gehenna that is that is that shows us a picture of what hell is like is a place that you will not want to spend even a second in. It is the worst of worst places. The, and, and then you add to that the absolute removal of the presence of God. 
Gehenna is a place of everlasting punishment. In hell, there's no more good. In hell, nothing is beautiful. In hell, there's not laughter. There's not hope. And you need to know this. Listen to me just real quick. In hell, for those that go there by choice, there are no second chances. There's no second chances. It's not like it's like, man, I really blew it while I was, you know, while I was on the earth and I had all those opportunities and but I just blew it and I'm just going to wait for the second chance. You know, I'm just going to endure. There's no more like like there's no more. There's no more second chances. So Luke chapter 16 and verse 27. This is the rich man. He answered and he said this. I beg you, father. Send Lazarus to my family. Since you can't come to me, at least send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of of torment. So listen, we want to look at this story just real quick, and I want to share with you, I want to extract four truths, come on, about, about this place that this rich man experienced that we can extract for us today. The rich man, number one, was fully conscious and aware. He had a memory like he could remember. He could remember he saw Lazarus. He could remember him. Come on. He experienced real pain. And he also dealt with tremendous regret. So these are real things about 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 hell. Also, number two, the rich man's eternal destiny was fixed. He was there and he was there for good. Number three, the rich man knew that his suffering was just while he while he complained about the pain and and he talked about the torment. He also never one time felt like, you know, he was being dealt with unjustly. He never once blamed God like, God, how could you send me? To this place. It's almost like he knew, like his mind's eye was open to know that, wow, I denied the Lord here, I denied the Lord there, I denied the Lord there, right? Not one time did he feel like, like, like he was unjustly treated. Not one time did, did he tell God that this wasn't fair. And then the fourth thing is this the rich man begged and pleaded to help his brothers to know Jesus. He knew that the same thing was going to happen to his brothers if they didn't if they didn't change their ways. Right. And he wanted better for them. So listen, once again, what you believe about eternity determines how you're going to live today. And if you don't believe that there's a hell, then then you're going to live the safe life. You're you're going to you're going to live the comfortable life. You know, you're not going to put yourself out there. You're going to justify your sin. Have you ever done that? I've done that. I can stand before you and, I, and I've been there. I've, I'm like, well, at least it wasn't this or at least it wasn't it wasn't that somebody that justifies their sin is in a dangerous place. Come on, believers fill the churches. But these same believers, if they don't believe in hell or few people go there, they're going to live self-centered, self-centered lives. They're going to reject sacrifice. They're going to avoid persecution and rarely are they going to share the gospel. Can I just tell you this? If you had not shared the gospel with somebody, it's one of the most beautiful things that you can do. I encourage you, build a life that is centered around sharing Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then give people the opportunity. Would you like to receive Him today?
And you can pray for them. Sister can pray for sister. Brother for his, you know, son for his uncle. I mean, you can share the gospel and say, listen, would you like to... What a beautiful picture that is. Come on, at the end of this life, I think it would just be awesome if you had several people that were serving the Lord because you kind of put yourself out there. And guess what? When you put yourself out there, there's going to be people that reject you. I, I think I told you all that when I was first saved, I was, I was listening and hearing God all the time. And the, I was working at Micron in a big, huge call center. We had just gone through a bunch of training about, you know, religion and this and that. There's the one guy that has tattoos even on his neck and around. Like This is back in the day. Everybody's go to Starbucks. Everybody's got tattoos now. But this was back in the day. It's like this guy's been locked up. I could tell he's been locked up for a long period of time. And the Lord impressed on my heart. Tell him that I love him and I got a plan for his life. And I'm like, He's walking towards me, and I heard that clear, not audibly, but in my heart. Tell him I love him, and I got a plan for his life. And I was geared up, man, pumped up, and I just let him pass right on by me. And he went to the water cooler. I knew where he was going. He went to the water cooler, and I was like, okay, if he comes back this way, I let him pass by again. And then I'm negotiating with God. Okay, if he comes back by again, and then he went another direction. I'm thinking I'm off the hook, and he comes back by again. And I just step out there, and I'm sweating, visibly sweating. I'm sweating. I'm like, hey, can I talk to you just for a second? Come on over here for a second. And I, and I totally qualified the whole thing. I'm like, I'm like, I know this is super crazy, and you're just probably going to think I'm a nut and this and that. He's like, what do you need to tell me? I said, I probably said it about this fast, too. Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And you know what he did? He put his fist up for a fist bump. Boom. And he said, cool. And he just walked off. And I was like, like, that was more for me than it was for, you know, for, for, for him. He didn't like drop to his knees and say, Jesus. But I guarantee you, if he's serving the Lord now, he's probably told this to many people. The craziest thing happened. There was this kid by the name of Travis at Micron. The first time. Maybe it wasn't the first time. Maybe I was the 50th person. Maybe I was just the reminder. Paul plants, Apollos waters, but it's God that gives the increase. Get in the habit of sharing your faith and not having an expectation of what the response is. Just love people enough to share them that Jesus loves them and, he, and he's got a plan for their life. It's amazing what God can do with that. You can't save anybody anyways. You can't, you're not smart enough to convince somebody that Jesus Christ is real. I'm sharing something with you with full understanding that I can't convince you. I get excited. I'm like, my voice is elevating. I'm talking with my hands just to keep you awake. But this is the deal. I cannot convince you that God is real and he's got a plan for your life. But I know this, that when I do my part, the Holy Spirit's going to do his part. And if anybody is going to surrender to the Lord, it's because of the Lord. It's not because of me and my ability to, you know, prepare enough or to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's because the Holy Spirit loves you enough to say that whacked out guy up there is telling the truth. 
listen and pay attention. All right. All right. So I want you to listen to these scriptures like you're hearing them for the first time. I'm fast forwarding, giving you guys, I'm taking some stuff out. You got it already. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're smart. We don't need all of it. The first service got, you know. So listen to this. John 3, 16. You you got this maybe tattooed even on your body, but it becomes so common that sometimes we don't listen like it's the first time that we've heard it. I want you to listen like this is the first time that you've heard this for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to listen to Romans 6.23 like you've never heard it before. This is your first time, so pay attention to what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, I'm going to share with you Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It might be that scripture, that passage of scripture that you can quote verbatim. But maybe it's become so common that, 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 that it's lost its, it's just lost its drive in your life. I want you to listen to this like you've heard it for the first time right now. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. I want you to know today that the, the cross at Calvary has paid the price for your sin. If you choose just to receive the most incredible gift that's been given. Once again, I'm reminding you that Jesus was perfect. He was the only begotten of the Father. He lived a perfect life without sin. We're not going to blame the Jews for killing him. We're not going to blame the Romans for killing him. If there was anybody to blame, it's right here. I'm the reason that he went to the cross. And he did so willingly that anybody that would just believe that he is who he says he is, the only begotten of the Father. He was the fullness of God manifest in the flesh. God himself came and did these things that if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. He shows us his amazing grace through the cross and his unquenchable love. Jesus said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, but one of them runs off and is lost, you know what he'll do? He'll leave all the ninety-nine and he'll go searching for the one. There might be some one-person you know, you might be that one sheep that you're here. Come on, and everybody around you has been talking about the goodness of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God, and you've just you've not had anything. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't surprise me. And I can see the shepherd. Hey, I'm going to be back in just a minute. I got to go visit with somebody right now. The one that is lost. The one that's kind of walked off. The one that's wounded. I'm going to come. If you guys have seen the pictures, you got the shepherd bringing the one back. I just believe that it's very possible 
that there might be a one here today. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. That means he came for me. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the broken. That's me. John 10, 10 talks to us about Satan's design for us. The Bible says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Amen? That's God's desire that none would perish, but all would be saved. I'm closing with just this thought that I've been at the bedside of a lot of people when they've transitioned from this life to the next. And, and, um, and it's really kind of an honor to do that. Something that I, I was really fearful of when I knew that God was calling me to pastor. But, but it's really an honor to be close to somebody and a family when they're transitioning. And do you know this? I want every just I just 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 connect with me just for a quick second, if you will. Just just because this is such a powerful story. And it really shows us the how great the love of the Father is for us. I've heard stories from family members where the person that's dying, they just didn't want to have anything to do with God whatsoever. That Jesus stuff, psh, don't want to deal with it. But now they're dying, and whether it be myself or another family member sitting at the, at the side of the bed and holding the hands, and, and the person is just so weak, they, they can't really move, but they're attentive and they're aware. And the person, whether it be myself or one of the family members, just begins to share that you know this, that Jesus loves you. And this world is not our home. And we're strangers in a strange land. In fact, Jesus said, go receive the promise to the 420 or however many were there in Jerusalem. Talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He says, I go to prepare a place for you where me and my father are that you might be there also. Talking about heaven. And so there's this conversation, however long, however short, but Jesus loves you. And I'm asking you, will you, you know, they're talking to the person that's dying. Will you receive him? Do you want to receive him? If you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, your name is written in that Lamb's book of life. And that book is going to be opened up. And if your name is there, you're going to spend all time. And then with tears streaming down the eyes of the person that's in this in this season of transition they're they're crying and they simply all they have is enough energy strength just to simply nod their head yes i want to receive and this is the beauty of jesus christ this is the beauty of god that person at that moment, their name is written in that Lamb's book of life. And guess what? They are blessed just like the person that gave their heart to Jesus when they were 8, 9, or 10 years old. And were raised in the church. And didn't take the, the, all the wrong steps to get. And didn't have to deal with all the additional pain that life can throw at you because of, because of hard living. I know what I'm talking about. I spent a large portion of my, I gave my youth to serving myself and serving the devil. 
A lot of pain in that. But I just love that God loves us so much that He gives that person that is maybe denied God a hundred, a thousand times. I don't know. But it's like that last time and the Lord's just like, come on, <laughs> come, come on, come on. And then all of a sudden the heart is opened and softened and they're with tears that visibly show, yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ. And he's like, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. God, I pray these things today in Jesus' name. And I thank you. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.